All right. Well, if you have a Bible with you, you can turn it to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We have been working through a series where we've been going through Matthew 5 and 6. We're at the end of chapter 6 now, starting at verse 25. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or, or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is gone, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Pray once more with me, will you? Father God, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say through this, Lord. Use me as a mouthpiece, but take away anything that's from me and not from you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us not only to hear, but to apply and live out what you call us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I said, we've been working through a series, and we've been calling it the Upside-Down Kingdom. This idea of the Kingdom of God, this way of living that Jesus invites us into as Christ followers, this way of living that he calls the kingdom and that he starts to show us what it looks like in this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So we've been looking at what does this kingdom look like? What are the qualities of this kingdom? And it's not the bricks and mortar qualities. It's the ways of living, ways of trusting, ways of allowing God to move in our lives. In our scripture passage today, our scripture passage started with an interesting word. It started with the word therefore. Whenever you read the word therefore, you need to ask yourself, what's it there for? (laughs) We've been looking at parts and passages and and, and chunks of this, this letter, but the fact is that this is a single teaching of Jesus. Jesus is doing a large, long sermon, longer than mine even, on this mountain. And so what he said before is completely connected to what he's saying now. That's why he says, therefore, and so we need to go back and say, okay, what was he just saying so that we now know what therefore is therefore? This passage is in light of what Jesus has been teaching, and it can't be taken outside of it. 
Jesus has been showing us the way to live in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, Jesus tells us that our earthly treasure, the things that rust and tarnish and go out of style and lose value as soon as you drive them off the lot, are to be used as tools, but never seen as treasures. In the kingdom of God, our focus should always be on what God has done and is doing in our lives, rather than the the distractions that our culture is trying to get us to focus on. In the kingdom of God, our focus needs to be on our utter dependence on God and His love and His grace that we now can rest on. That's what we've been looking at for the last number of weeks. And this is why Jesus now says, Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Then at the end he says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, our basic choice of which kingdom we're going to serve. Are we going to serve the kingdom of this world? Or are we going to serve the kingdom of God? Depends on your attitude. Depends on how you're willing to either be anxious or not anxious. Should we be anxious about the kingdom of the world, about the things that we have really no need to be anxious about, our food and our drink and our clothing, whether it's going to snow or whether it's going to rain, or do we live in the kingdom of God, trusting that God loves us and cares for us, and that there are things in the world that we actually have no way of controlling, and so it's foolishness to be anxious about them. Now here's where I need to have a bit of a time out, and just let you know, totally candidly, the last part of this week, I've been totally stressed out. Because I know I'm talking about stress and anxiety. But I have. I've been stressed and anxious. I've had a lot of bunch of loose ends that I've had to tie up for work. I've had a bunch of loose ends that I've wanted to tie up at home. And I knew that this baby is coming and no one can stop that. <laughs> and so there was a lot that I needed to tie up and to fix and to get ready and and I started getting anxious about it. I started getting anxious about my time and whether I was going to have enough time and, and whether I was going to be able to cope and, and, and whether things would be ready in time and all that. Maybe you can relate to me a little bit. I know farmers sometimes can when you have the temptation, and some of you don't, but when you have the temptation to worry about is it going to rain or not, Right? Is it going to rain tomorrow or not? Are we going to have the right weather for my crops or not? The fact is, you can't change that. You worrying about it doesn't affect any of that. And yet, the temptation is still there to wring our hands and say, I really hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. But it's still going to rain or it's not going to rain, no matter how much you wring your hands. If this is like something that, that you struggle with, no, I'm, I'm with you. Totally. But Jesus tells us that we don't need to be anxious. In, in fact, in the kingdom of God, we need to trust God. We need to trust our Heavenly Father that He cares more for us than we could ever imagine. 
and that the things that we worry about, we're really showing that we don't trust God. Jesus simplifies the concerns that most people worry about by talking about those three things. The eat, drink, and wear. We could simplify it by saying the material comforts of our world, right? And when you look at advertising, when you look at commercials today, most of them are focused on those three things. Have you tried the new burger at the fill-in-the-blank burger joint? Have you tasted that new kind of beer that will give you the best night of your life, even though you might not remember it? Do you have the newest, trendiest clothes that will go out of style in a week or two? I have worn a pair of neon spandex bike shorts when they were cool to wear them when you weren't biking. (laughs) And my guess is I'm not alone on that. However, I will probably be the only one who will admit it. But we can think back, if you've lived more than like 10 years of your life, you can think back and and look look at like something that you wore and go, what was I thinking? That was cool? That was popular? And sometimes we have closets and closets and closets of clothes, most of which we never wear because they're not in style anymore. And Jesus says, why do you worry about what you're going to wear? Why do you worry about which shoes match which dress. Your beauty doesn't come from the outside, it comes from the inside anyway. This passage of scripture that we were looking at when it talks about do not worry, it reminded me of two things. One, I don't know when it, it comes around, but it comes around at least once a year, the emergency preparedness week, which is a very good thing, where the government puts out brochures and different things to say, hey, citizens, you need to make sure that you're prepared in case of an emergency, uh, that you have like three days of drinkable water in your house because it might be three days until we can put water back on in your house, right? Totally good, understandable stuff. But if you start to read that brochure, in the mind of anxiety, you can go, oh my goodness, I have to have a year's supply of water because just in case a hurricane comes to Concordia, we need to be prepared. And it's very good that there are people who deal with emergencies well and and who are doing relief efforts in the places that have been hugely affected. Here in Kincardine, it snows. And we're like, all right, we deal with snow. Let's make sure that we have snow boots on, right? The other thing that, that it made me think of was insurance, though. So I don't know how many of you love going to insurance companies, or maybe if some of you work for insurance companies, I apologize. But I always find that insurance, and when you go to like renew your insurance or to like have them check on whether you have enough insurance, you always never have enough insurance, right? Because they're insurance salespeople and they're trying to sell you insurance, and they should because that's their job. The problem is though, we first started going, Heather and I started going to the insurance salesperson, and they started saying to us, okay, do you have 
car insurance and house insurance and accidental dismemberment insurance and life insurance and life insurance for your kids, life insurance for your pets, life insurance for your plants. <laughs> and they would start saying things like, if you and your husband were in a fiery car crash, what would happen to your kids? How does that work with my wife who holds her emotions on her sleeves and is already going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? It can play with your anxiety, can't it? The insurance part's good, you should have insurance, absolutely. But the worrying about things that you can't control, that doesn't make any sense. And Jesus says, don't worry. Be prepared, but don't worry. For sure, save, but don't worry. It's the worry part that takes your trust away from God. Consider the lilies, Jesus says. Lilies. Charles Spurgeon, a brilliant now dead theologian, once said, Lovely lilies, how ye rebuke our foolish nervousness. And so the big picture here, folks, is if you struggle with nervousness, anxiety, stress, concern, these kind of things, Jesus is telling you today to give Him your stress, to give Him your worry, to give Him your nervousness, to lay those in His hands and to trust that He cares for the situation, for the people, for the events, whatever it might be, more than you do. To trust that God is faithful. Now with that, all that being said, I want to share a couple points just so that we are clear on what this does and doesn't mean. Number one, Jesus is not saying that we should be complacent or passive in our provision. Jesus is not saying that we should be complacent or passive in our provision. We are not to sit at a table with empty plates and say, God will feed us. We are not to walk around naked saying that we are trying the lilies look, no natural. <laughs> Jesus used birds and flowers as evidence of God's ability to feed and clothe. But how does God feed the birds? You might answer, well, God doesn't. Birds feed themselves. But Jesus knew that birds look for seeds and, or look for different things to eat. He knew that God doesn't just put out his hand and feed the birds. But he's trying to tell us something here. Jesus knew perfectly well about birds' feeding habits, that some were seed eaters and, or carrion eaters or fish eaters. Some were insectivores or predators or scavengers. And yet God feeds all of them. Not by putting out his hand, but by providing natural elements that allow them to be fed. And in the same way, God provides for the birds, he also provides for us. We have a part to play in God's provision. Farmers, you know this better than most. You can plant the best seeds, put the right fertilizer on, have the most expensive tractors and combines and machinery... But if God does not send the sun and the rain at the exact right times, in the exact right amounts, 
your crop will not grow. In the same way, folks, God has given you a mind to think, a voice to speak, hands to work, each and every breath you breathe. And so please, don't start taking credit for your own provision. Don't start taking credit for the money in your bank account or for the job that you have because although you play a part in that, God has given you every single breath and every single heartbeat and every single skill and every single minute that you have to make that money. And so God is the one who has provided. Second part is that God provides in many ways. Some of them look supernatural and are supernatural, and others seem a lot more natural, or we would call them coincidences. But when you really look at them with an eye of faith, you can see God all through them. Some of you know that Heather and I are putting in a wood stove into our living room. And it was a, uh, a decision that we made to be prepared in case the power went off for a few days. We were heating with electricity and we wanted to make sure that we were nice and warm. My wife really likes being warm. I'm pretty sure this winter I'm going to be walking around with flower t-shirts on. <clears throat> but we decided that we were going to do that. But in order to do that we needed to put down a hearth and some tile that was non-combustible and, and our flooring that was down already was pretty messed up because we have two young kids and they mess up floors pretty easily. And so we said, well let's just redo all this floor. What then happened was that a friend of ours who had been redoing their house, when he had been taking up his flooring, he was very detail-oriented and, and took it up very carefully, the laminate very carefully, and said, hey, I have about 500 square feet of flooring that is in perfect condition. Some of it's scrap, but most of it's absolutely good. Do you guys want it? And I said, yeah, thanks, that's great. <laughs> Another friend had the exact amount of tiles that we needed in order to put a 4x4 hearth down. And said, hey, do you want this? I was just sitting in my, my basement and I said, yes, that's awesome. The colors are fantastic together. Another friend said, hey, I actually know what I'm doing in terms of putting down flooring and it'll look really nice. Can I help you with that? And I said, yes, please. <laughs> and what could have amounted to a considerable amount, amount of extra money being spent became absolutely free and awesome to see community helping community. Um, and my wife would tell you that the couches in our living room and the treadmill in our living room were also given to us absolutely for free by other people who were wanting to get rid of them. And so our whole living room is just a huge symbol of God's uh, amazing faithfulness and, and provision. And it's pretty awesome that way. But God didn't, by his own hands, like I didn't walk out of my house and then walk back in and the floor and the tile were on. It wasn't supernatural that way. But God chose to use people to bless my family, and that was absolutely amazing. There's a story of a woman who was in a flood. And, and the whole town was in emergency and she was climbed up onto her roof and, and a motorboat came by and said, hop in, the flood's getting worse. And she said, no, it's okay, God's going to rescue me. Second boat comes by, hop in, the storm's getting worse. It's okay, God's going to rescue me. 
third motorboat comes by, the storm's getting worse, really, you need to get in. It's okay, it's okay, God will save me. Finally, a helicopter, police helicopter, rescue helicopter comes by, climb in, quick, this is your last chance. It's okay, God's going to save me. Well, the woman dies, and she asks God, God, why didn't you save me? And God said, I sent you three boats and a helicopter. What else did you want? (laughs) Friends, when we think about God's provision, we sometimes don't factor in the ones that seem much more natural. But the fact is that God is working in our world all the time. That He is working through you and me in times and ways that we never know. And so when you are in need... God may be working through someone else in your life in a way that you never would recognize unless you have eyes to see it. Number two, we still have a responsibility for others. Not only do we have a responsibility to be active in how God has provided for us, we also have a responsibility to care for other people as well. When we think about God's provision, when we think about thanksgiving, when we think about all that God has blessed us with, we can look globally at the world and we can say that God has provided amply all the resources we need on this earth and in the sea. The earth brings forth plants that yield seed and trees that bear fruit, animal, birds, and fish that He makes fruitful and multiply. We actually have more food than would be able to feed the whole world. We create that. We breed that. We grow that. God allows us to do that because He wants the world to be fed. And yet, by human sinfulness, we hoard and we spoil and we waste so much food that part of the world is obese and part of the world is hungry. That shouldn't be. It seems significant that in the same gospel, the gospel of Matthew, where Jesus now says that your heavenly father feeds and clothes his children, later on, he also says, now go and feed and clothe, and you will be judged according to whether you do that or not. According to whether you feed the hungry and clothe the naked. So friends, I've got to tell you, there should not be the case where there are Christians who have clothes and clothes and clothes in storerooms and closets, and yet people going around naked with no shoes. There should not be, it should not be the case where Christians are overweight and gluttonous when half the world goes hungry. It should not be. And so we can say that God provides for us. And doesn't God bless us in such amazing ways here in North America? He does so that we can be a blessing to others. And as soon as we just forget that God has blessed us in order for us to be a blessing, we get into some serious hot water we get into some seriously challenging spots in our faith where we say, God has blessed us, so I'm just going to 
sit in my blessing while the rest of the world suffers. Friends, the reason why God provides is so that we can provide for others as well. Number three, God is faithful. We can trust God with our stress and our anxiety and anything else that we are nervous about. We also need to recognize that we will still have problems. We will still have problems. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not the prosperity gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ does not say that a Christian's lack of anxiety is because we are guaranteed a peaceful and easy life by any means. We should not be anxious. We should not be worried. We should not be nervous. We should give all that to God, and that's not easy. But we give that to God, recognizing that life is still going to be hard. That there still is disease and sickness and death. That there still is hurt and sinfulness in our world. That Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But then he says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. At the end of the passage that we read this morning, it said, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's a promise, folks. Tomorrow there's going to be trouble. The next day there's going to be trouble. The next day there's going to be trouble. So don't worry about the trouble that's going to happen. Give it to God. And as you give it to God, He will be with you in the midst of that trouble. He will be with you in the midst of that hardship. The hardships will still happen. We just pray for a whole lot of people who are sick, or are hurting, who are going through hell on earth. That still happens. But God is with them through that. If you're going through that moment, God is with you in your troubles. God is with you in your suffering. God is with you in your hurts. And He is still faithful. And He still does provide. And He still does love you. And He promises that the troubles don't disappear. Not on this side of eternity by, by any means. Last of all, when we think of God providing, He doesn't just provide for our own personal basic needs. He provides for much more than that as well. In Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 29, let me read it for you. Jesus says this, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he knows not how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel of the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Seed grows. The farmer plants it, the farmer harvests it. I know farmers, there's more to that. But God's the one who makes it grow. In the same way, God's kingdom is happening in our world already. God's kingdom is already working in our world. God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, is already 
subversively happening in our culture. And the question isn't, is the kingdom going to come? But are we going to be part of his kingdom? See, later on in Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. It's not that we as Christians need to work really hard to build God's church. He's already doing it. He's providing. The God of the universe is the one who is providing. He is the one who is already doing all the hard work, all the heavy lifting. And He invites us to be part of it. So when we think about our world, when we think about our community, when we think about all the people who need to know about Jesus, and we can feel overwhelmed by that, we can feel nervous by that, we can feel stressed out about that, we can think, how in the world are we going to reach our community? Know that God actually has a plan. That God is already moving in our community, and He invites us to step on board. He invites us to partner with what He's doing because He's already moving. He's providing. He's doing it because He loves our community so much. And now He's saying, Chalmers, come back on board. Come on board. Be part of what I'm doing in our community. And so many of you are. Be part of what I'm doing in the community. Because your neighbor needs to know about me. Because your co-worker needs to know my love. Because your friend at school desperately needs to know that they are valued and that they have a purpose in their life. God is already doing it. God is doing so much in our world. We need to recognize what God is doing in our world. So this Thanksgiving, if you are going to sit down to a turkey dinner or to other Spaghetti dinner, I don't know what, how, what your culture does in your household. I think ours is going to be peanut butter and jam sandwiches. It's going to be lovely. I'm going to stuff them, it'll be awesome. But when you sit down to a meal this weekend, and you start to go around the table, and maybe you don't do this, but you start to go around the table and you start to say what you're thankful for, I want to encourage you with this. Instead of thinking about something that you are thankful for, that you can easily take credit for, I want you to think about what are you thankful for that you recognize is completely from God, that you recognize is by His grace alone in your life, that you recognize is from Him and not from your own efforts, because God has provided And as you're running around, getting the stuffing done and getting the turkey basted and getting the the cranberry sauce, whatever you do with the cranberry, usually the out of the can. I want to invite you not to worry about the timing, not to be stressed about whether it will taste delicious or not, not to be concerned with the worry and the burden. Still do what you need to do, but give Him the burden of the worry. Say, Jesus, this is for you. Not for me, not for what I'm going to look like. Simply for your glory. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, as we look at your word, Father, I, I even now just want to confess that I get stressed from time to time, that I get anxious, that I want to hold on to something that I actually know I don't have any control of. And I know I'm not the only one. I'm sure that there are people, even right now, who are just worrying about that turkey that's in the oven and just thinking, Brian's speaking a little bit too long here. Is it going to burn? I don't know. Lord, I just pray right now that you would bring your peace on your people. That we would accept your peace and rest in your peace today. That you would allow us to rest in who you are. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love. And thank you for your grace. We rest in it today. In Christ's name, amen.